This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl, and my guest this week is Brandon Roten. Brandon is a change agent. He is a chief marketing officer best known for building Wendy's Digital and Social, helping achieve an epic turnaround, which we've all seen. He's had a successful track record of delivering and sustaining growth through enterprise-wide transformation initiatives. He's also spent time at Papa John's International and Pop Belly Sandwich Works as the chief marketing officer. Brandon, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. Thanks for having me, Nick. I appreciate it. You bet. Uh, so one question I ask for every single guest is, what's one thing people might not know about you? Yeah, so probably the weirdest thing in my world is, uh, you know, I, I'm obsessed with the movie Die Hard, uh, the Bruce Willis uh, 1990s amazingness. You know, it's our it's our Christmas reoccurrence before it was cool, I would argue. And uh, I named my first two kids Jack and Lucy because John McClane's kids are Jack and Lucy. We did have a third, so we broke the trend, but my wife didn't realize it until we were watching Die Hard at Christmas after Lucy was born and then slapped me in the back of the head. So, <laughs> uh, so how did it come up the first two when you were when you were saying, man, I've just been thinking about this name? And typically that that question is, is how did you come up with that name? And, and you just were yeah. like, oh, I, a friend's brother. It was really awesome. Just happened to be Jack. Yeah, it was. Uh, we we just wanted a nice, simple, solid name because uh, you know we were here and no no shade on anybody else, but a lot of people had kind of exotic names when Jack was born 16 years ago. So we uh, we said we want something really simple, and we went Jack Henry had like you know four or five very simple names, and I kept steering <laughs> back towards Jack. So uh, it was it was subtle, you know. Sometimes a marketer's job is subtle persuasion over time, and then you get there. Seems like you are the ultimate change agent, uh, all the way down to the family name. Hey, you, you gotta gotta put your put your stake in the ground somewhere, right? That seemed like a good spot. This is awesome. So I do want to touch on, and I, I think the whole goal of of this episode is to talk about how how important it is to have a change agent inside the organization because you know when it comes to these organizations, regardless of the size and and complexity. A lot of these names, a lot of these organizations want to change and they want to change for the right reasons sometimes, but they necessarily don't know how to change. And it could be the technology. It could say, oh, I want to, I want to be, I want our message to be different. But, you know, when it comes to organizations, a lot of times that change doesn't happen unless they bring in somebody like yours. So why is that? Why, why can't they do that on their own? Yeah. I mean, you know, companies find success with a, with, with a pattern of, of tactics, right? And and it's hard to let those go once they've worked for a little while. But inevitably, as the company grows or changes or the market changes around them, those techniques, uh, those tactics tend to, to, to lose effectiveness over time. We're seeing it right now with Facebook advertising is a great example, right? You know, 10 years ago, you could build a whole company around, you know, especially a direct-to-consumer company around Facebook advertising. It was so efficient. It was, you were kind of breaking new ground. You were getting in front of people that hadn't been advertising that way before. Well, today it's purely saturation. So, and, and costs have gone up. So 
as as the world changes and as your company changes, there are moments of inflection where you have to sometimes bring in new talent or, or bring in a, a individual or a team that will ultimately allow you to push past uh, those old set of tactics. Um, and it's, it's hard for companies, you know, like any habit you build, uh, if you don't, if you don't recognize it's an issue and then take active steps to fix the issue, it's, it's hard to change the habit. Yeah. And is it more emotional and, and reactive than it is understanding the, potentially the root cause or, or are they just looking at the symptoms? Yeah. So oftentimes there are symptoms, usually in the PNL, it's things like traffic. It's things like um, either website or foot traffic. It's things like demographic shifts. It's um, it's usually subtle in the, in the leading indicators and really stark in the lagging indicators like, like your PNL. And then what you have to do is usually track your way back from the issue in the PNL over to, you know, or in the business back to the, the leading indicators. And uh, I think the reason most companies don't uh, spend the time to either identify the problem in the leading indicators or, or spend the time to actually understand the problem is they tend to go back to what worked. So it's this same habit of, uh, you know, this worked 10 years ago, we've been doing it for eight or nine years, just do what we did before, and it will fix it. And there's this interesting sense of panic that begins to set in that um, that you actually end up doing more of the same thing just faster and with more money instead of actually trying something different with enough duration that you can actually see whether there's a, a benefit to that change. So basically you need someone with that's given some sort of authority to come in and, and make a change and given some time to see whether that change actually you know makes a difference. Yeah. So Brandon, you are that authority that that's, consistently come into organizations and, and disrupted them. But how do you become that change agent? What, maybe what questions are you asking them? Because as you're not a, as much as they're interviewing you, you are interviewing them to see if it's also a good fit. Is there questions you're asking them to see if they're actually willing to change? Yeah. I mean, first of all, you, you got to make sure they understand the problem. And if they don't, you got to make sure they're willing to get to the problem. And, and, because change is inherently disruptive and makes people uncomfortable, you have to come at it with a lot of humility and a lot of willingness to, to listen and, and even try things they've done before just in different ways. So you, you do ask a lot of questions and usually it's about the problem. And I have found anyway, if you ask enough questions in the right way about the problem and get down to agreeing on the facts, because you know, it, it is emotional. So if you can all agree on the facts that say, you know, traffic is lagging. And the reason traffic is lagging is we're pulling in a target that is no longer buying this sort of product or service at the same frequency they did 10 years ago. So we agree that this is an issue. We can't keep targeting this same group of people. So that means we need to target a different group of people. So let's do some homework to understand what the right group of people. So I have found keeping emotion out of it as much as you can while being sensitive to the fact that it is very emotional. Um, usually is the best approach. Um, but, and people's, and you have to remember people's intentions are good. Nobody at a big organization wants the, the continued pain to, to, to persist in whatever the business metric is that's suffering. Everyone wants it to, to go away. It's just how you do it. You get to a certain size that it feels risky to do something new. And it's interesting because as small companies, you're always doing something new. And then you get to the point where it's like, well, those new things we were doing are now just our habits. 
And then once they become your habits, you get scared to change the habits because it's not going to work anymore because it used to work forever ago. So, so I have found asking a lot of questions about the problems, agreeing on the facts, getting on the same page about the facts. And then, you know, while you're doing that, having some uh, sensitivity to the fact that this is a big deal to folks who've been in the organization for years or decades um, leads you to, to agreeing to facts in a way that usually everyone is comfortable with. That doesn't make it any easier when you start to implement the change, though. Um, as you implement the change, people are very weary to give it any time because they want to go back to the old habits because the old habits, you know, are comfortable and, and, and for them effective. So you have to set clear expectations of what the change looks like and how long the change will take and what the milestones are along the change. That's why I think it's really important that if you bring in a change agent to your organization, you bring in someone who's done it before. Because they're gonna not understand those milestones, they won't. They won't be able to actually talk through the change, and, and as the change occurs, sort of walk you through. You know, this is what we expected, and this is why, and, and this is what we're learning, and this is why. Um, you know, early in my career, I was a I was a bit of a bull in a china shop because you know, I, I don't know if it was just you know lack of maturity or stupidity or whatever, but <laughs> I was very interested in in seeing change occur in organizations. And that's just, that's what got me, that's what got me excited was seeing that we were making positive change. It was affecting whatever the metric was. And, uh, and I had a lot of conversations with HR at my agency days and even my early days at Wendy's where, where it's like, you just can't do it this way. You're, you're hurting people. You're breaking things. You're, you're causing chaos. And this is back in the day of Facebook, move fast and break things. I don't know if you remember that. So that was like my mantra. And I quickly learned that you actually have to bring everyone along with you. Otherwise, there's not a, there's not an organization that survives on the other end of it that's you know happy and and prosperous. So you ask a lot of questions, you agree on the facts, you, and then you're you're very sensitive to the fact that this is emotional and, and these are, this is people's lives. You know, if you've been in a company for twenty years, this is your life. If you're a franchisee, this is your life. Yeah, it's like calling their baby ugly and saying, "But we're going to fix your baby. We just have to." go through this process. We have to, here's the steps that we're going to take and here's the therapies we're going to take and here's the, the things that we're going to do along the way. It seems like there's a lot of empathy that needs to happen immediately because if somebody has been there for 20 years and, and you're going and saying the process isn't the way that the customer's expectations are not the same way 20 years ago, let alone 10, let alone five, let alone two, that they are today. And here's what the data shows today. So here's what we're going to do about it. And I love the fact that you're bringing them on that journey because you're, you're the guide to, to getting them to Mount Everest and to getting them to that, to that pinnacle in their industry. It's going to take a lot of discomfort, but somebody who's a change agent is going to say, I've been to Mount Everest five times or 20 times, or I've been doing this for 20 years. And here's where you you add that extra oxygen. Here's where you take those small steps. Here's where you, you go back down a level real quick overnight and then to come back up because of that elevation change. It's, you know, when somebody's in that uncomfortable situation, even though you're there now and you're starting to make that change and they want to revert back mm -hmm. to square one or to, to step five when you're already on step seven, what advice or what what information are you providing back to them saying, do you trust me? Do you trust this process? Yeah. So I think I think that is why it's so important to do a lot of listening up front as you're you're learning what's what's going on and, and and to be humble because the truth is there is a reason that business is successful and was successful, you know, a decade or two ago whenever it was it was growing like crazy. So 
So I have found actually, you know, the key to great creative is you, you bring forward something that feels familiar, but it has a twist or it has a change that, you know, so that familiarity creates a level of comfort and trust. And then all of a sudden that change creates a little level of interest and, and sort of intrigue to whatever it is. I think it's the same way with, with actually business strategies. If you can actually go back into the history of the company and what made it great, and extract the piece that is still relevant of that. And usually it's a pretty significant piece. It's a foundational piece of the, the organization and why it was established. And then find a way to, in a modern uh, context, deliver that same you know, message to the world. There's, a, there's usually a pretty quick uh, embracing of that change, uh, at least for the people that are, were around when the, the original foundation occurred. So a, a very simple example at Wendy's, we use Where's the Beef and Dave Thomas's early work where he essentially said, why would you go anywhere else as the foundation for the challenger brand that emerged on social media? So, you know, yes, there were a lot of people in the organization at the time, this is 2011, 2012, that were very uncomfortable with the fact that we were getting more aggressive in these platforms and social media platforms and, and uh, frankly, uncomfortable with the being in platforms like this because you know, the brand grew up in the 80s and 90s on television, but they could see the DNA of the original work. And when the, the franchisees and Wendy, who's a franchisee for Wendy's, saw that the work was strong and the work was uh, relevant to the original founding of the brand, there was comfort. So while it felt aggressive, it felt familiar. And that's exactly what they're doing today. You know, the team is killing it over there today, getting into things like gaming, but they're still, they're still using that challenger mentality as the foundation of it. And, and every brand I've been to, every brand I've worked on the agency side or, or as a, a, a leader in marketing, uh, that's usually what you do. You find the foundation, you know, at, at Papa John's, it was about better pizza and we had to use modern things like performance marketing to actually outflank and say the better pizza story to, to people before they made the final decision about what pizza to order. At Potbelly, it came back to reestablishing the food, the, the sandwich, because, you know, the sandwich category is pretty saturated. But ultimately, you know, most of the products aren't that great out there, I would argue. You know, go back to the food, the core, which is a hot sandwich from Potbelly and the environment that's just totally different than any other environment you can experience in a sandwich shop. So if you go back to that familiar core, the reason the brand, you know, was successful out the gate, um, usually you get a lot of support, um, even if they're uncomfortable with some of the tactics that result from that, uh, that original foundation of a brand. I love the, the going back to the core of, of what worked in the past. Because Wendy's or Papa John's or any any other organization that sells a product or service is still alive and maybe not well, but still alive because it it worked. That somebody wanted to buy their product or service. It's a, if it's a sandwich or a pizza or or a software, people are buying it because of the service that you're providing or the quality of that product. And I think that's a good lesson for my listeners is to continue to go back to what that core is, listen to what your customers are saying, and then do something about it. And, and from there, it's, you kind of talked about having a, a measurable or, or, you know, how, so my question is, is how does, how can you, what's the best way to manage that, uh, that measurement and keep it as simple as possible? Yes. Yeah, so, um, 
you have to isolate around the, the problem you identify. So if you say, you know, our issue is we're targeting the wrong group of people and the leading indicator will be, uh, and, and I usually establish leading and lagging indicators. So the leading indicator will be we're actually reaching, there's creating more awareness, more interest in our, our product or service with this new target. That's your leading indicator. And you can measure that through a million different tools that give you a sense of whether or not you're reaching and, and influencing the decisions of that target. And then your lagging indicator is, is your net traffic actually going up? Because ultimately, you don't want to you know, forsake the old group, the old group you want to keep. So you use CRM systems and, and you know, relationship building with, those, with the previous target to keep that traffic while adding this incremental traffic. So you start your first, you know, six months or so of, of actually putting the thing in the world, you see, you see those leading indicators and then the, the lagging indicators start to trickle the right direction. And, and once you actually get to the point where you've clearly measured, there's an impact of the leading indicator and the lagging, then you bet harder and harder and harder. You double down, you throw gas on the fire to make sure that the, the techniques you're using are, are working. So so I think fundamentally, it's it's about focus. It's about deciding on the problem you're going to solve. I don't like it when you have a dashboard with 50 metrics on it in marketing. I don't think it makes any sense. I think you need three or four metrics because you're focusing in on the problems. And that doesn't mean you don't you ignore you know things like CPA if that's not part of the equation of what you're trying to do. Those are those are context for the the bigger KPIs. But ultimately, if you say this is the problem, you identify two or three ways to measure that problem. And then you every single week check in on where you're at and have some patience to know that some of the tactics you want to implement aren't going to show up in the numbers immediately. So having those leading indicators that give you early reads on whether or not you're making progress, I think are are critical. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, How do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. And so when it comes to that next phase, so let's say it's two years down the road, they're still, they're still crushing it regardless of what company it is. But eventually, uh, Albert Einstein, I think, once said that the problems that exist in the world today cannot be solved by the level of thinking that created them. And so how do you take what you've learned and how do you continue to adapt and, and grow from what you've done today might not be what you do in the future. So when, when does that shift and how do you pay attention to that market? Yeah. So I, I think, I think it's actually instilling a culture of always testing and learning new things to figure out how do you solve whatever problems crop up? I think Wendy's is a great example. Wendy's is still killing it. And I would argue the reason they're still killing it is because that is the culture that was built there. And it wasn't just me. It was a lot of people there that helped build that culture, but you know, I love it when I see in my feed, and I haven't been at Wendy's for four or five years, right? I've been there since I left in 2017, so I guess four or five years. I love it when I see a new headline that they tried something that we talked about five years ago and said, that's too crazy. We're not going to touch that. And they're actually doing it today. 
And I guarantee you what happened there, and I don't know for a fact because I'm not there anymore, but I guarantee you what, what happened was they said, well, let's put that on a back shelf and let's get to it when we're ready. When that other thing we're doing starts to, you know, lag in its, in its uh, ability to actually deliver results. So, you know, Wendy's went to breakfast five times in its history. And this last time it actually seems to have stopped. And I'd argue they have a new culture of innovation that came in and of constantly testing and learning and figuring out what's next and, and being isolated on a problem, on a simple problem. So, you know, great, great organizations, the Apples, the Nikes, the, I'd argue Wendy's now of the world, they just, they change the culture. So it's not about rinse and repeat anymore. And it always goes back at some point, it wears off at some point in every company. You know, that's why Steve Jobs comes back into Apple. That's why, uh, you know, someone in 10 years will probably have to go into Wendy's because the current crew that's there will be gone and there'll be new people there that will have kind of run the rinse and repeat over and over and over to the point where it doesn't work anymore. So it always happens. So guys like me always have something to do. We're never bored because there's always a company that needs to either change what they've been doing that has led to the success they're at because they need to move to a different level or has found a slump and they need to rework that slump. Um, but it's really about a culture shift. It is a painful culture shift, but once it happens, it's like a snowball effect. It just gets better and better and better. And it makes you proud to have been part of the process. Now, I'm not the kind of guy who likes to stick around in a company for two decades. I like seeing, you know, making changes and then moving on to the next change and moving on to the next change. So I, I generally don't stick around forever after the, you know, the significant changes in play, but, um, but I'm really proud to look back and see these companies doing well because their culture has shifted to this, this change mentality that leads them to, to growth ultimately. So you talked about culture a, a little bit about that change, but how important is it to bring in that right team? How, how important is it to, to mold that culture before you, before you take off and go to that next opportunity before, because if you don't bring in the right team, from my perspective, it seems like, it's going to crumble because they're, they're uncertain and they're going to be going to revert back to that emotional or reactive. Yeah, you, you do. I think you have to bring in people or, or mold the people that are there to be willing to constantly try new things and constantly um, step away from what worked two months ago and isn't working as well as it did now. Um, so, you know, specific examples at, at, um, at uh, Papa John's and, and at Wendy's and at Pop Belly, in, in all cases, we changed agencies because agencies tend to be a component of that process where you might have to shift to an agency every four or five years that gives you, you know, fresh thinking. But if you find the right agency with the right culture, you know, Wendy's is still with VML, uh, which I brought in as a digital agency and then gave them all the work, you know, within about a year. So because they are, they have the same culture, they have that constant innovation culture and they push the organization to, to innovate. Um, you do have to bring in people with the right mindset. I actually don't know that you can't change people to have that mindset as long as they're willing to change. You know, we, we didn't dramatically shift the team of Papa John's. I wasn't there very long. Uh, the change I made there was pretty significant. So, you know, I had to, I had to move on pretty quickly. But, um, but at, at Papa John's, we just set the culture up to be ready for it, I think. And, and when you set the culture to be ready for it, when they get a taste of kind of what does that change, you know, provide, does it actually accomplish the goal? Is it true to the brand, the founding of the brand? 
you know, is, is this okay for the culture to embrace the idea that we're going to, we're going to try new things, you know, every few months, because that's what it takes to, to really establish long-term success, then, uh, then everyone's okay with it. Um, but there's always holdouts. There's always people that you might have to either change the person or, or change the partner, um, or change the mindset, which is usually the bigger thing is, is change the mindset. Yeah. When we talked a little bit prior, as we were getting ready for this episode, we touched a little bit about just exercise. And and it really reminds me of just uh, the right trainer for somebody that wants to lose 100 pounds or add 10 pounds of muscle. There's going to be an honest conversation about where you're at today. There's going to be somebody that says, here's the steps that we're going to take. And because I've helped another 50 or 100 people get to their goal, it's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to work, get up in the morning and and jog. You're going to have to eat the right way. You're going to have to exercise accordingly. But I'm going to help you get there. But when when they get there, it's not like that trainer is sitting there saying, great, high five. Like I look forward to staying here and, and continuing on the journey with your success. Continue to pay me. It seems like you are that trainer for organizations that that need that that motivation, that that kick in the pants, the the guide to to get them to from point A to point B. I think I've been asked to do that a few times, and and it's it's pretty cool actually that uh, that you get that opportunity. Uh, and I think it's pretty cool that organizations actually recognize that you know they put on too much weight, and it's time to it's time to get fit again. Um, but yeah, that's, that's typically what, what people ask me to do is, and, and usually it's something that on the surface seems simple or at least feels simple. Like, you know, we're, we're a traditional marketer and we want to move more to digital or social marketing, or, you know, we, we think we have an awareness problem. So fix the awareness issue. And then we dig in and it turns out it's something else that we have to repair. It's usually pretty simple out the gate. And as you dig in, you find out, well, there's actually this deeper thing. You know, it's, it's the reason you're a hundred pounds overweight is because you, you know, drink a bottle of wine every night when you get home. It's not because you, you know, you're eating too many chips, whatever the thing is that, um, that is actually like the root of the problem. You have to find the root and then, uh, work on it to the point where you've changed the habits and built sort of a culture of, I'm going to go to the gym every morning. And so, I, so I'm going to not only work on this and get to my goal, but I'm going to maintain it and, and hopefully further develop in a positive way. And then, um, you know, check in in a year after you, the ad, you can see your abs and then we'll talk again if we need to talk again. But uh, hopefully you've got the habits now that you can, you can get it done. I love that. That's so awesome. So I, I really appreciate uh, just the, the change agent mentality. I think everybody needs to have that change agent mentality. If it's personal, if it's professional or if it's corporate understanding that the more you stay, uh, the customers are expecting something else. And so continuing to find ways to to evolve and disrupt yourself or the market's going to disrupt you. Uh, I, I, I love the conversation of being change agent and how that uh, correlates to the success that, that you're having, but also how you're impacting others. So um, uh, I, I leave every guest with, with two questions at the very end. And the first one is, uh, what book or person in customer service or customer experience has influenced you the most in the past year? So I'll pause there. So I bought an electric car a few years ago. I put a little money in, in Tesla stock and bought a Tesla, uh, you know, 2019, something like 2018. And 
it always shocks me how they go a step past in customer service. Uh, for example, there's a car, car, car shortage right now, right? You can't get a car. Uh, I had to go in and get a headlight replaced in my car, um, which, by the way, is really expensive. And one of those guys, so, you know, is <laughs> what it is. But I had to get a headlight replaced. And uh, they gave me a $100 Uber credit because they couldn't give me a, a car to, to, to borrow. I ended up not using it. I ended up sitting there and just, you know, waiting the two hours for everyone to change the, the light bulb. But the fact that they went that far to say, we know you got things going on. We know we got your car for the morning. So here's a, a credit that'll get you around town all morning, I think is a masterstroke of understanding that I'm about to pay $1,600 for a new headlight that should be $300. So at least let me not ruin my whole day while I'm, I'm getting that done. So I think that was a, an excellent customer service moment. They're understanding the entire journey of that experience instead of just saying, this guy needs to change the light bulb. It's really cool. And they are saying, I don't want to have a fleet of Tesla vehicles for my for my uh, clients or my customers to drive around in because that's a increasing my liability. But they're willing to put in, bake it into that that um, service. It's uh, it's it, it's cool and it goes above and beyond. I, one one example too. I don't have a, a Tesla, but um, just having an oil change or or something else. I bring one of my vehicles in and they they lift me back and forth to wherever I need to go for, for that time frame, And it, it makes me loyal and makes me feel known and makes me feel valued. And the more known and valued that you can feel in an organization, the higher probability they're going to stay with you and the higher probability that they're going to refer business to you. So you're, you're now telling the story on a podcast and because of the experience you had, think of the other hundred thousand people who have had that exact same experience. It's amazing. And, and I think it, it is truly recognizing what's important to that person at that moment. And, and yeah, they probably are spending millions on Uber credits. Um, but ultimately, they probably would have spent tens of millions or lost tens of millions, not be able to sell cars because instead they're sticking them on a the lot. They do have some loaner cars there. But, um, but I think it was really, really smart. And, and I know it, it made me not hesitate to get my car in for service. Because I know I can get the other things done I need to get done that day uh, because they're going to take care of me. Very cool. Find ways to reduce friction. It's great. Uh, so the second one that I got is if you could leave a note to all customer service professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say? So marketing's job is to make a promise. Operations, customer service, almost every other fast organization, their job is to keep the promise. So what? know the promise of your organization and make sure you're keeping it. Because fundamentally, if, if, if the experience falls off after, you know, trial, after that first touch, after they, they show up the first time, uh, you can't actually build a brand that can sustain itself. So know the promise of your company and keep it. Because that, that to me, is the, the fundamental thing that has to happen in every organization after marketing does its thing to make everything work. As sounded, sound advice, uh, keep your promises that the organization makes. Uh, Brandon, what's the best way for my listeners to, to connect with you, to follow you, to, uh, come have you talk at an organization. What's the best way for my people to, to follow you? Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, there's not many Roten. So R H O T E N Brandon. Um, that's one way. 
I do have a, a little website that just talks about some of the work my team's done, boringkillsbrands.com. So if you want to jump out there, you can you can send me a note from there or or see some of the work out there. But uh, LinkedIn's probably the, the cleanest method to come find. It's awesome. Thanks so much, Brandon, for your time and uh, looking forward to the to the next uh, organization you jump into and, and change their, their culture and uh, how they're impacting the customer experience. Great talking to you, Nick. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.